They're not building wolves. We're the wolves. They're building sheep. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Virtue Signal. I'm Bill Whittle here with my friend and colleague, uh, Alfon what's your name? Is Alfonso? <laughs> I think so. Sorry, the, the type is too small on the uh, teleprompter for you. Alonzo Rachel. Um, I'll put it under my cup in big letters so when I say <laughs> product placement. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking about this week's show. Uh, a couple days ago, uh, Joe Biden had another uh, Biden moment, which <laughs> obviously is much, 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 much easier just to keep a list of the non-Biden moments. Mm. Uh, and there's nothing particular about this. He was... Um, as he was he was dutifully reading relatively well about the student forgiveness program, and then a reporter raised their hand and said, "What about private uh, people who've taken out loans from uh, private institutions? Are they also entitled to this uh, to this debt relief?" And and he just went into vapor lock, <laughs> and and then somebody off camera, said, "Well, that's going to be part of the things that we're considering. We're looking at that versus." And, and, and honest to God, he just stared out into space. Now this is not about specifically anyway, not specifically about Joe Biden's mental uh, impairment, because we've done hundreds of episodes on that, and I think we've just begun to scratch the surface. However, if you take Joe Biden and his obvious mental decline, uh, and you add Nancy Pelosi, who is also in her 80s and is showing signs of incoherency, I mean, the inability to form complete sentences, uh, Dianne Feinstein, uh, has been essentially sequestered from the public for two or three years. She's one of two senators from the most economically power, uh, powerful, uh, well, uh, you know, until another year goes by, uh, certainly the most populous state, and apparently she can't complete sentences. Hmm. Um, and then, of course, we have this Fetterman fellow who underwent this massive stroke, has a, has a, a lump on the back of his neck the size of a softball, and who also at his latest press conference. It's not a question of, gee, I forgot who the president of Kazakhstan is. It's a question of, I can't finish the sentence that I started. Now, to be fair, of all these Democrats that we've talked about, I think it's, it, there's, I don't see any decline in, in Kamala Harris's intellectual abilities. Um, the problem with Kamala Harris is that she doesn't have any to begin with. Mm. And, and so there's no real point on measuring the decline. So we've got... At least five, at least five of the top politicians in the country, with the exception of Fetterman, um, who can't finish sentences. Now, just because this is where I happen to be uh, on the work I'm doing for Daily Wire, uh, Lenin was the center of the Soviet system, and all the terror that that produced came out of Lenin. But Lenin suffered a series of strokes, and for the final year of his life as the head of the Soviet Union, he couldn't, he couldn't do math problems. Somebody asked him to divide 70, divide 72 by seven or some, some, some simple mathematical problem. Mm. Took him seven hours. And, and when he died, this is actually so shocking, it's almost kind of make you ill. When he died, they autopsied the great brain so they could find the secret of the genius, you know? Mm. And people who look at it said one hemisphere was absolutely normal and the other one had shriveled to the size of a walnut. Mm. And that when they tapped on it with like uh, forceps, it mm. went tink, 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 tink because of all the calcium in the buildup and so on. Wow. So here's a guy with absolute power over life and death who can't finish sentences. 
And now uh, the party that has the same fundamental collectivist belief is also in that situation. And and here's one thing I do know, Zoe. If there is a national emergency, I mean a serious national emergency, I don't know who's going to be making the decisions. But one thing I am sure of is whoever that person is, they will not have been elected. Yeah, yeah. We've seen how that goes. And what is it about that that uh, that Fetterman, man? He looks like he's trying to transform into Bib Fortuna or something like that. I wonder if he has a pet named Salacious Crumb. Um, but, <laughs> hey, the, the, the thing... He does. He looks like a, he looks like a, a professional wrestler, right? You know, for, uh, on the regional circuit. Yeah, he's like his own tag team. Right? It's all he got to do is hey, tag me in and slap the back of his neck, and I guess the other wrestler's going to jump in and go lucha, luchador. Anyway, uh, this throughout history, when we talk, when we bring up these, you know, people, you know, like when you're uh, um, Lenin, uh, Hitler, Stalin, this, you know, you you have to in socialism, you really have to create a prejudice. Bless you. Thank you. And uh, you, you have to create a prejudice. And the reason why we can have these people, you know, whether uh, their, their, their mental faculties are declining, whether it's an act or whatever, um, when you're effectively able to make your adversaries out to be something just so evil, man, it doesn't matter what you do. That's right. You know, these these people and with all the outlets that we have, whether it's education, the media, um, you know, um, the, the school system from school system to higher uh, uh, grade school to higher learning radio, you name it, whatever media that we have when the, when the culture is just so inundated with this uh, prejudice that that Democrats are putting out there when you've effectively made your adversary so evil, man. It, these people are going to circle wagons around these people and and they have a shot. And and even when they even apparently while they've distracted the people do this while they're stealing stuff, stealing elections, when once they get in, it's like it doesn't even matter. Now that it's like, oh, now the evil people are trying to accuse somebody else of stealing. Well, what about the evil that you do? Who are you to talk? And that's the kind of culture that we have right now. That's right. When you control the media and so, and now social media as well, it, for, for many Americans, the choice is either this senile, decrepit Biden and this, uh, you know, cackling idiot uh, <laughs> Harris or Sauron. Those are the choices that they have, right? Yeah. And um, and so they'll they'll go with the uh, with the non-Sauron person. Although there's certainly some big evidence of that shifting. Mm. Um, when Donald Trump was uh, was president, or shortly before, but I'm, I'm virtually positive it was during his uh, his first term. Um, he was a uh, question about his mental fitness and his age, and he just voluntarily stood up and took, uh, I forget the name of the test, it's a standardized test for, for retention. It's not an IQ test exactly. It's, it's specifically designed to, to measure mental decline, like loss of short-term memory, that kind of thing. And he aced it. Huh. And uh, I'm all about freedom, and I'm, all, uh, I'm 100% opposed to government, um, uh, you know, force, government intrusion, any of that stuff. With that said, uh, if you want to live a private life free of the government, that's fine. If you want to head the government of the most powerful military in the world, the most powerful economy in the world, I don't find it unreasonable. And when I say head, I don't mean just the president and the vice president. I mean, I mean the executive and legislative branch, every single senator, every single representative, and every single uh, president and vice president 
should have to, and I think that probably goes for secretaries of state defense as well, should have to pass not an intelligence test, not a, not a ideology test, a simple mental, mental acuity test, a simple ability to, to function on some level. It doesn't seem unreasonable to me. And it's a measure of how far this country has fallen that we not only have one uh, senile, uh, you know, lost grandpa in, in running the country but but we have of the four of the five people i mentioned four of them are the next four in line essentially you know mm-hmm. and and there's not a there's not a uh uh what is it i'm trying to say you know it's the it's the the um don't you have memory, no Biden it's a memory no, no, the, it's just, i just the, i'm getting older myself the memory always goes second um <laughs> i forget what the first thing is uh but Seriously, you've you, you've got you've got bench depth when it comes to imbecility on the Democratic team, and this should be worrying some to a number of people. And I suppose it probably is, but as you say, it's either that or Sauron. Mm. Um, do you think that's an unreasonable request to require uh, semi-annual, or sorry, biannual? Uh, uh, Cognition tests. I know that if you want to fly an airplane uh, professionally and just even a small regional airplane, if you want to carry 40 people from one place to another, you have to have every six months, you have to have a physical, you have to have uh, simulator testing and all that other stuff. And when you're driving 330 million people, you can bump into walls and have the Easter Bunny rescue you. And that seems to be okay. It, It seems like it should be. It should be a test. Um, But I guess the question would come down to who designs the test. And even if they do this, I mean, is it going to be a private industry? Let me interrupt you because Mm -hmm. let me interrupt you because this is important. This test already existed, exists, has existed for the longest time. Mm -hmm. It has never been. It was not designed as a political test. It is a simple series of uh, here's a here's a series of numbers can you read those back to me can you read them back to me backwards that kind of thing mm-hmm. right so this there, there's no political flavor to this test i'm just saying it doesn't seem like an unreasonable thing to do now no look i wouldn't be calling for this mm-hmm. if we hadn't been electing people who who can't speak i'm not talking about people like george bush who was who was um just had no rhetorical skills at ever at all, you know, uh, and it's not his fault because uh, you know English is his second language. George Bush, he doesn't have a first language, and and that's not what I'm talking about. Inarticulateness or or lack of rhetorical flourish is not the same thing as not being able to remember what day it is. Yeah, I I, mean, I, I hear you. You know, it's like we have our criteria for for. For people can be in office, I don't know if it's so much of like an intellectual test or anything like that, but there's certain things that you have to meet. But the, the what I'm saying is to make this test and make it stick, one, who's going to be able to say like this is this is a qualifiable test? Because what may be a qualifiable test to one person, another person be like, that's not a real test. And even if this person does pass the test, uh, is it going to be um, satisfying to another? Like, let me put it like this. Mm-hmm. Obama himself is supposed to be a constitutional scholar. <laughs> and, and it's like, look, man, I really don't believe it's like as far as my personal testing and his examination of what he's doing. It's like, dude, I don't think you get that document at all. But he, no, gets, he doesn't. But he gets to be called a scholar. But that's not due to lack of, of uh, comprehension. 
that's just due to lack of character or moral code in any sense of right and wrong. Exactly. He's, he he fully has fully has the intellect to do this. Mm-hmm. And 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 the reason I'm I'm objecting on his behalf, which is not something I often do. Mm-hmm. In fact, this may be the first time I've done. It. No, I did <laughs> did it once with regard to Michelle. Um, if if you start to do something like that, now you are politicizing mm-hmm. what I don't want politicized. In other words, if you're saying you have to pass a test on the Constitution, now you're talking about interpreting the Constitution. And, and they can weasel their way out of this. Sure. The thing I like about this idea is that it is it is essentially completely politically neutral. We're not asking you to take a test to pass a political standard. Mm. We just want to know if you can multiply three times three times three. That's mm. all, really. And um, but, and go ahead. But, but man, in this age of common core math, even is that going to stick? Like, say for instance, you're using the analogy of uh, flying a plane. There's the pilot who serves as the pilot, and mm-hmm. then there's the politician who serves to represent you. If these people are satisfied with this person's representation, no matter how may inept that they may be, they for, you know they think that they represent their values or lack thereof or whichever. No, that's a great point. That's what it comes down to. It's like, that's a great I point. I don't care how what their math skills are like, and I don't you know it's like they start judging by intentions and all that yep. sort of stuff, and that's what we get. You know what the worst part about living in a in a free democratic republic is? Mm. Is it is it no matter what goes wrong, it's ultimately our fault, yeah. and and we we the more we talk about this, the more important it becomes. Mm. You're absolutely right. Um, what difference does it make? It, it, in fact, it's beside the point. If they're not capable of multiplying three times three times three, the real issue is the people voted for somebody who can't multiply three times three times three. That's the problem. Mm. And as you say, if there was, look, if there was a fair media, there wouldn't have been a, a Barack Obama. You know, the, the whole Reverend Wright thing would have sunk him before, before the first primary. Mm. But we're at the point now where that's the case. So, so you make a great point. I changed my mind. Um, it's not that hard to do, actually, changing your mind and admitting it. But um, it does make you wonder, in, in an era where we're constantly told that um, as the world grows more and more complex and more and more information-based society, and frankly, we just have a lot more technology, a lot more things to know and, and to worry about, uh, this kind of thing not just the ability to be able to um, to remember, you know, your your address, which, by the way, is sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, but also things like how how quickly can you think on your feet? Now, this is something that I, I don't think anybody has ever. Donald Trump's ability to think on his feet is, is what got him into trouble. You know, mm. it's just it's just this instantaneous response to to things that should have probably been a little more considered. That said. I've never seen him stumped. I've never seen him go into vapor lock. Mm. And I've certainly never seen him do the kind of word salad that, that Kamala Harris does to make it sound like she's got something to say. And and so it, it's becoming clearer. And I think the numbers are really solidifying now that the, the Democratic Party, the party of youth, um, is, is – and all five of those people are Democrats, obviously mm. – is becoming more and more the party of senility, the party of of um, cantankerousness. You know, get off my lawn, you kids. Kind of. You know, whenever you see Joe Biden off script, he's like that. Mm. Kamala Harris, on the other hand, talks to everybody as if they're third graders, mm. because she's a fourth grader. Um, <laughs> 
And and so I guess over time we're going to find out. But as you say, you know, it's the, the future of the country is predicated on the education of the, the young people. And when you have people who are not only not being educated, but they're being diseducated, mm. they're being, you know, they're, whatever they may have known that made sense is being dismantled. It, it all begins to make sense, right? I mean, the, the only people who would vote for a person who is obviously senile and would not even do the basic requirements of looking into what the other party believes and says well, those kind of people, the people you want are people who are who, who have, have two things in common. This is what I see everywhere on Gen Z with TikTok and everything else. Number one, they don't know anything about anything. And worse is number two, they are absolutely sure that they are really, really smart. Mm. And um, and that's what we're, we're putting out. We're putting out a, an entire generation or two now of people who who don't know I've seen these interviews. I've mentioned so many times. I know it's getting to be old news, but it's just so shocking to me. Guy on the streets in New York City asking people who are 20 years old, 22 years old, name three countries other than the United States. And many of them can't name one. Hmm. When you've got a population like that. But they're globalists. Okay. <laughs> but but my point is, is that they don't. Oh, I'm sorry. It took, took me a second to process. Yes, we all live on one giant, uh, one giant community of of love and happiness where everybody is equally uh, uh, powerful and we all have the same objectives. Um, when you have a, a generation like that, then appeals to emotion are not only effective, they're the only thing that's effective. You can't appeal to somebody on an intellectual or rational basis if they don't know how to use reason. Mm. And we are intentionally destroying the lives of children and I don't mean just dur during the time that they're in school. If you are uneducated or, or diseducated, you spend the rest of your life in darkness and you never develop any of the potential that you that you are that that, that is your God-given right when you enter this earth. Right? You have a right to make your life as full as, as you choose. And that's the real crime uh, is is what is what they are doing in order to maintain this cabal of, of mummified imbeciles. And they don't seem to care, which is, of course, not a newsflash on this show. No, it's definitely. And, you know, I think when Biden was uh, in that vapor lock, man, I seen I think I seen him do that another time recently as uh, when he was holding that girl's like hand and stuff like that. And he puts his hands on her face. Right. And he goes to hold her hand and just holds on to it. And she's kind of like. She doesn't know what to do, man. I think that's probably what happened with Biden. Is when somebody asked him that question, he, he he saw some good snipping material out in the audience, and he saw some little girl out there saying, "Man, just hold on for a minute. Just 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 shh, don't say nothing." Okay, go he ahead. He did some speak. he did some sniffing just a couple days ago, and and just by coincidence, I caught some left wing uh, actress, major actress, really beautiful. Mm. On it was either Colbert or um, I'm virtually positive it was Colbert. Mm. And she was talking about meeting Joe Biden about and about how he came in and, you know, and just whispered to her, you know, you are incredibly attractive, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah, pass. Here's a pass. Yep. We, we've been all up and down this road so many times, but we really are. Um, there's a, a, a great novel. A person wrote one great novel and then uh, committed suicide. Uh, mm. And it's called A Confederacy of Dunces. And, and that's what we are, especially uh, appropriate in this place. Uh, because we're talking about Confederacy. Indeed, man. And, and as far as I'm concerned, they're they're taking over. And um, but my 
once again, I don't particularly frown on, you know, these Democrats who are in power. Democrats do what Democrats do. This is just who they are. My concern is the people who vote for them or even just by like, even if they know that the, the election was uh, uh, nefarious, they still defend it. You know, well, it's better than, you know, uh, uh, Trump stealing the election or anything like that. They're, they're going to mitigate it somehow. and They're going to give these people an excuse. And, and that's where they are. It's, that's where we are right now. Um, it's a shame, you know, that these like we talk about, you know, Gen Zers. Uh, I can't I can't come down on Gen Zers without, cons- you know, reflecting on myself. It's like, man, how did how do we let this happen? That's right. You know, and um, and right now that whatever's happening in the culture is definitely translating into politics. These people represent it's like we wonder, you know, we look at these people and it's like, man, are you are you are you insane? Something's wrong here. Um, but like we said earlier, it's about who represents you. And these people with their ideas, as impractical as they are, as as they're just they're unredeeming and they cost people. Um, but that's what these people feel like. That's what America deserves, you know, in this constitutional yeah, republic. Amen. Yep. And you get the government you deserve. Yep. You get the government you deserve. Uh, yeah. In this, in this constitutional republic, uh, people want to imagine that it's something else. They want to imagine that it needs to be rewritten and all that other good stuff. Uh, no, you just need to read it. You, you don't yeah. need to rewrite it. All yeah. you have to do is read it and Re-read follow it. the instructions. It's yes. an instruction manual. By the way, P.J. O'Rourke pointed out that the U.S. Constitution is something like a quarter of the length of the of the user's manual for like a 1989 Toyota Camry or whatever. Yeah. You know, so it's not so hard. And and yeah, oh, we've got to rechange this. No, no, it's right there. You just have to read it and then you have to follow the instructions. That's it. But that the instructions are at the interpretation of the reader. They can, it's, we've already seen Democrats put stuff in there, whatever they feel like want, they want want in there, and take out whatever they feel like they want taken out. That's just how they yeah, do it. They put periods in places where there are commas and take a fragment of a sentence and say, see, mm. the Commerce Clause is a great example of that. Mm. But just to wrap this up, um, this is, of course, shocking and, and, and alarming and all the rest of these things. I'd be more shocked and alarmed, and I'm plenty shocked and alarmed. But I'd be even more so if it turned out that reality was somehow inverted and, and the roles were reversed. In other words, if it was possible to live in a peaceful society where everybody was kind and unaggressive and, 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 um, and considerate of others and all the rest of the stuff that this younger generation is being taught and that it didn't matter whether you knew how to multiply three times three times three or name any other countries, let's just say that was the case. And the opposition was 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 building generation after generation of independent, critically thinking, physically fit, tough-minded gun owners, then I'd be scared out of my mind. But as it turns out, it's the other way around. They're, they're not building wolves. We're the wolves. They're building sheep. And one of the greatest things I ever heard was, a wolf doesn't care how many sheep there are. It doesn't matter if he's... <laughs> You know what I mean? The, the, the wolf doesn't care how many sheep there are because the sheep are not a threat to the wolf. Now, I'm not saying this isn't a threat. On the contrary, all I do sometimes in the course of my day, and I suppose you watching go through this as well, I try to find things that, that give me at least some comfort in the middle of this catastrophe. And this is one of them. Um, I, uh, I've seen, um, I know it's a little off topic, but but basically just to wrap this up with on, on a positive note, because it's important to have a positive note, because if you fall into despair, then they win. Uh, 
I was watching a strange, strange kind of thing to go to, but I was watching uh, a video of, I think like the 2000 and, uh, 2019 Thunderbirds. Mm. And before the show, there's kind of a ground show and all of the, the ground crews go out in real military precision kind of thing and they do everything. And then the, the, then the, all the pilots go up simultaneously, canopies come down simultaneously. They, they light the engine simultaneously, all this other stuff. And all of these ground crewmen are like robots. And, and this is intentional. It's precision, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's moving at the same time, all this other stuff going around, doing the pre-flight. And then when they're ready to go, the crew chief for each individual airplane stands off to the right of the canopy, down here if you're the pilot. And when they're ready to go, this guy looks up and he just, the salute is so fast, so the guy can't follow it. So if I'm, the, uh, there's a point to this, just, just bear with me. I need to tell it to myself just so I feel better. So, so, they finish their pre-flight. They're getting ready to go. And and so it's time to, to start taxiing out. And the pilot looks down and the crew chief salutes them. And together like that. It's like that fast. And the second that that salute is passed, then all of the enlisted men on the ground crew, insta it's like they drop character, right? Instantly. The second that that salute has been has been given and, and recognized, the, the mechanical precision of their job is finished, right? There's no longer anything that has to be done correctly because they've done everything correctly. Now it's the pilot's airplane. It's up to them. And so what happens with the Thunderbirds is the, all the maintenance guys, once that salute comes, they'll start, they'll start making hand signals to the pilots. And, and, and they're like, and they're, it's, it's like a private language. I saw it. It almost made me cry. And, and the pilots are, are interacting with these enlisted men as equals, like we are both partners in this. Then they run off and then they, they all stand in line and as the jets taxi passed, each one of them has got hand signals, you know, go get them, go do it. And the pilots are sending these things back, you know, and they're, everybody's all ganged up. Everybody's excited, morale is top notch. And all of that to say that those guys on the flight line for the Thunderbirds are Gen Z guys too, right? They're Gen Z guys, just just the same age group as as the as the decay that we see in Antifa and all the rest. And it's important to remember mm. that the that the high profile idiots uh, and and weaklings and soy babies and all the rest of these things are not the only young people in America. That there are, in I, I like to think a, a significant majority of Americans are just as capable as those airmen are in terms of getting you know a twenty million dollar airplane in the air. And then having that bond with the officer that is no longer an officer enlisted man, man bond. It's a we are the best in the world at what we do. And now we're going to go out there and show people. That's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> uh, I will sh uh, throw a couple links to that in the description for this show. Uh, for my friend Alphonse Rachel, I'm Bill Whittle. We are both the best at what we do. We're out here to show you. Uh, if you're watching without uh, being a member, that's why the members pay. But if you're watching without being a member, we would appreciate it if you could find a way to pitch in a little bit and help us along. Because freedom isn't free and neither is talking about freedom. For Alfonso Rachel, I'm Bill Whittle. We'll see you next time right here on The Virtue Signal.